Good morning, everyone. It's good, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I know we just prayed, but can we pray just one more time? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come before you at any single time, at every single time, anywhere we are. Lord, Heavenly Father, after a praise song, before a praise song, during a praise song, Lord, you said to cry out to you and pray to you, give thanks to you uh, without ever stopping, Lord. And until we get to eternity where we really won't have to be able to, we don't need to sleep, we don't need to eat, we, all we'll get to do is praise you Lord, just uh, we bask in your presence today, Lord. We rest in it today, Lord. We acknowledge it today, Lord. And I know that you're doing uh, something in our lives, in our hearts, as we move towards your word. Lord, um, be with just, uh, just your church today, Lord. Help us to hear what you have to say to me and to everyone else, Lord. Um, Lord, Heavenly Father, help us get just a little uncomfortable by your spirit. And if that discomfort helps us to see you more clearly, to get up out of our seats and to move one step closer to you, let it be so. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So recently I've been um, joining a couple of ladies in the morning, just twice a week, um, uh, and uh, I heard that they had uh, started running, and they had a very specific purpose in mind. And, and I used to run quite often, actually, um, before I broke my ankle, and it gave me a very good excuse not to run. <laughs> and, um, and then so, you know, every time it aches just a little bit, I'm like, oh, it's probably not a good idea. You know, like, what if I, like, it swells later or something like that. And, um, but when I heard who was running and actually motivated to go, uh, um, Amanda right there uh, sitting and um, Megan from the children's ministry started running together. And I'm like, oh, they're such nice people. They probably won't judge me if I like quit halfway through. <laughs> and so uh, Amanda, who's been like helping like motivate us because she runs a lot more, um, said like, oh, don't worry about it. You haven't been running in a while, so we'll just start like really easy, really easy kind, like a, a mile and a half. And that's what we started off with, mile and a half. And the first day, no joke, it, like the sky opened and it poured. And I was like, this is the worst, <laughs> right? It was refreshing and I hadn't run in years. And so I was thinking like, ah, oh, mile and a half, psh, no big deal. And like half, not even halfway through, like a quarter mile in, like literally no joke, just one Hawaiian block later, I'm like, I'm done. Oh, I'm so done, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, I got it through and, and, and we've been just going from uh, one mile to one mile it's the one um, sport that actually I really enjoy because through, like, while I'm running, it's, it, it's really not very pleasant, and, but there's, like, a, a point where I kind of, like, kind of, like, they, they call it a runner's high. I, I haven't been getting it recently. It's only a mile, so, like, I know that, like, if you run long uh, amount, like, long spans, right, like, you, you're supposed to get, like, a runner's high around, like, your sixth mile, and you feel, like, invincible, right, and, um, and I remember getting those, and then I, that's, like, my hope and my goal, like, uh, like, they keep saying, like, you can do it, you can do the aloha run, I'm like, <laughs> no, 
<laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> we'll just see, right? Uh, I just want the runner's high again where we feel like, yeah, I'm doing something with my life and, um, you know, like getting physically fit and all that jazz. Well, today I, I mention it because um, Paul decides to talk about Christian life as a run, as a race. And he uses that metaphor quite often. He uses it in Galatians, he uses it in Corinthians, and um, I think it's, uh, he's, he's a Roman, and so he's seen all of these like marathons and games and races in his, in his life. So especially to these, um, to these churches, non-Jewish churches, like uh, Roman or Greek-based churches, like they would re- be able to relate with that metaphor and imagery quite quickly. So he uses it here. We're only reading uh, three quick passages. Is Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. And I'll read it out loud. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Here. Um, we learned last week uh, when Rick came up and then he, we spoke about rejoicing in the Lord and if our joy is evident to the people around us and how that's important because if we have Christ in us and we are actually living a day-to-day life of submission with him and he's leading us and guiding us, then we can't help but see his work in our life, we can't help but be joyful. And so um, he goes on to say, um, he uses his own life narrative a lot, just like right now, like he's, I use my own life as a narrative. Paul uses it a lot because he can connect with the church very well. And he's speaking to the Philippian church. The Philippian church um, has its ups and downs, and they're trying to ward off some bad teaching. Uh, Last week we talked about um, there were some teachers, some uh, very traditionalist Jewish teachers uh, who who became Christians, or uh, I don't know what their intent was, but they decided to put their cultural, um, like, legalism onto the newly uh, formed church uh, in Philippians. And so they're saying, in order for you to become a true Christian, you have to follow our culture of uh, the Mosaic law. Like you have to get circumcision, you have to uh, also um, be restricted in your diet and go through all of that process. And the reason why Jesus came is so that we can be free from those barriers and be able to come before God without anything coming before them. Yes, some of these like traditions are um, very uh, valuable, you know, to certain people to like to practice it as symbolically, but basically. Jesus fulfilled it all. And so it was no longer necessary for you to be saved in Christ. And so this Philippian church, so that they don't get confused, 
that these people, they called them, like, instead of uh, actually remembering the true intent of these traditions, they called them the mutilators of the flesh. And it's just saying, like, you don't even know what you're doing. You're just uh, hurting your flesh with no real intent behind it. And you've missed the point altogether. There's another uh, teaching that was happening, and that's why Paul starts out here, not that I have already obtained it, why would he do that? Why would he, he like immediately start off his sentence or like even repeat it multiply saying he could have lost his credibility before the church? But what he was trying to say is, look, there's a, there's a weird teaching out there where it says that, um, uh, that your body and your spirit were separated or two separate things. And in order for you to achieve perfection or the perfection of resurrection like Jesus, your body will never get there. But you can do it spiritually. Like if you uh, meditate, if you are spiritually awakened, then you can achieve resurrection right now in in on earth on your life, but your body will never get there. So there's two dangers to that. First of all, if, if you believe that, if they believe that, then there was a danger of, well, we don't have to go any further than now, right? Like we've already achieved perfection. There's nothing to look forward to. And secondly, the, the danger was that because they've achieved perfection, then there's no reason for them to continue the struggle and the suffering because the church of Philippi was actually um, under a lot of persecution. And so there was no need for them to continue that kind of life. They've already seen the resurrection. They've achieved resurrection, right, in their life. So why would they have to go through that um, difficulty and hardship? So Paul was saying, no, I've not achieved perfection. That's a wrong kind of teaching. Jesus was here and the flesh, even though he was God, he was man, and he went through all of that. And so we, in our holy life, will participate with Christ in that suffering, will participate in that life of becoming more and more righteous, becoming more and more like in his image. It's not just a spiritual awakening, that's where it starts, that's where salvation starts, but that's not where it ends. And so that's how Paul begins his um, message. I want to call this part of the message the runner's high. Like the thing that captured Paul and made him feel like he's invincible, right? When you first accepted Christ, do you ever feel that? Like that giant boost of energy, the runner's high? I felt like that. I felt like I can do no wrong. Jesus is with me. I can fly. I can run. I can pray every single day. And then like my mom tries to wake me up at six in the morning. I'm like, no, right? I'm going to read my Bible every day, like 10 chapters a day. <laughs> it was just me. I am like overly, overly excited, right? And and that's the thing that Paul wanted the Philippians to remember. What captured you? What captured him? He goes, um, in verse 12, he uses the word um, press on. Press on. It's, in English, he uses press on here, but it's the same word in Greek that he used in verse 6 for persecution. 
See, that same word meant like a relentless chasing after, like right behind you, breathing down your neck, almost about to get you kind of relentless chasing. The people in the Philippian church completely understood what that meant, right? They were in a church that they were being persecuted. They knew what it meant for people to relentlessly chase after them. But Paul is saying that attitude, that paranoia, that obsessiveness that the people had for them to harm them, that's the kind of passion, that's the kind of obsessiveness that we had to have. The church should remember towards Christ when they press on towards perfection. I love that he used that same word first as a very negative, like some memory, something that they deal with a day-to-day basis, but then something that they can look forward to, something that can be transformed. Because Paul's life was the epitome, the, the, just the completely embodiment of that. He was the one who was a Pharisee. He was the one who was constantly, relentlessly, obsessively chasing after the Christians, killing them. And then because he met Christ, because he met Jesus on the road, he was using that same drive, that same passion, that same obsessiveness to chase after Jesus, to chase after his will and his purpose. And he's showing to the church, this is how it can change in your life too. If it can change in me, it can change in you. That same drive, that same passion, remember it. What captured you first? What gave you that runner's high first in the beginning of your race? Don't lose it. That's what he's saying. Last week, uh, no, a couple weeks back, we read Philippians 2, 12 to 13, where it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God saved us. He gave us Christ. We never earned the right to be in the race. In the Roman Empire, right, when there were Olympics and there were like giant races like that, what you would have to be was a Roman citizen, a free citizen in order for you to even participate as an athlete. You couldn't be a slave. Nothing, no merit, nothing could actually buy you the right to be in that, to compete. And just like our Christian race, we had nothing to give as our merit to buy our uh, right to be a part of this race. God gave that to us as a gift, as a free gift. And that is something what salvation is. But the race, to finish the race, that's a holy life. That's a process of sanctification. That's a process of us becoming more and more like Christ. The great thing about uh, running with Amanda and Megan is that they've already run. Um, They they run after I'm done running. 
Like, I run one mile, and then I'm like, bye, guys. And then they run, like, five more miles, right? And I'm like, have a good run, right? And so Megan runs farther than me, and Amanda runs way farther than Megan, right? Like, she even runs back home. I'm like, that's crazy, right? <laughs> but the great thing is, because I'm always, like, slightly, like, two steps behind them, it's easy for me to, like, follow them. Like, I see their pace, and it's re- really easy for me to follow in their pace. And so they've already run the race, uh, run the mile. They had that experience, so it's easy for me to follow in their footsteps. Jesus has already run this race. He's been already victorious, and he's run it, uh, won it, amen? Right? And he is the coach that he runs right in front of us, telling us this is the pace you should go. This is the direction you should go. Sometimes in a race, in a run, you hit a wall. Like, you feel like you just, you're, you're, the air just comes out of your lungs, and you're like, oh, I'm done. I can't go anymore, right? And when you hit that wall, you're supposed to keep going. You can't think about how much your, like, side is cramping up. You can't think about, like, you feel like a dagger is going through your ribs. You can't think about it. You can't think about like, oh, look at that nice tree, or ooh, look at that puppy, it's so cute, right? You can't like look back, don't get distracted. You have to like just focus and like plow through. In verse 13, Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, Paul repeats himself. He says, I don't do this. I, I have not fulfilled it. I have not gotten there yet. He starts off with a negative. But he does say, this is what I do in order to continue the race, though. He says, the one thing that I do, that I want you guys to do, is to forget. See, forgetting what is behind is very critical for you to move forward. Pressing on means forward movement, right? It's not side to side. It's not maintaining. It's moving forward. And in order for you to move forward, you can't look back. You can't look back and run effectively or you'll run into a tree, right? Just the same way in our Christian life, we can't be constantly looking behind us. There are two kinds of things that we need to forget. Paul definitely had something to forget, right? I just told you, he had his pre-Christian life. He was a Pharisee. He attacked people. He did all these bad things. He had a very nasty reputation, right? And he was proud of it at the time. But as a Christian, that could have been crippling. As a Christian, to be able to have the authority and the credibility to speak to another Christian What if they bring up his past? What if they say he's not worthy? What if, what if, what if, right? And we kind of find ourselves in the same position, right? I'm not good enough. I did that thing in the past. I don't know if I can ever get over it. What if God's punishing me for that? Don't listen to that. Those are lies of the devil. Those are lies. Paul says to forget because when God has taken us into his, 
into his arms and taken us to be his children, he says that he forgives us as the east is far to the west and he doesn't remember it anymore. But there are times when we're about to fall asleep and we have that random memory and you go, ah, I shouldn't have said it that way. Or, ah, I hope that they don't think I meant it in the wrong way. I have those moments and it keeps me up until two in the morning. It's very good and we all understand that we have to forget and submit and lay down at the cross all of the things that we made mistakes and failures in the past. But sometimes we forget that we have to also forget even the good things. Let me tell you what I mean. As Paul, when he says that to forget, he didn't mean only his pre-Christian past, but he also meant all of the things that he had been doing up to that point as an apostle. All of the lives that he had, he worked hard, all the beatings, all the times he went to jail, all the times he went and people like um, turned him away. All of those good Christian things, all of the work of the ministry, he said he, forgot, he forgets that too. That's what he means. In order for him to keep moving forward, you can't dwell too much on your past success. And what I want to challenge you is, how many of you depend too hard on your old testimonies? You know the testimony that you love to tell your brother and sister? The, one that you, the story that you like to share to everybody, this is the time I met Jesus, this is how he worked in me. But was that like five years ago? Was that like when you were sixth grade? What is he doing now? Is he working in your life now? Do you have something new that he's doing? Because I'm pretty sure Jesus says that he will give you a new life that's refreshing day to day. We kind of have like a broken record, right, of testimonies. I'm not telling you that those are bad things. I'm not telling you that those weren't like life-changing things, but don't get so caught up in it that you stop running the race. Don't get so caught up on the first mile that you stop running the next 26 miles. There's further to go. In verse 14, it's a finish line. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. His language here is not one where he's just starting the race, where you're just like warming up, doing lunges and stuff. It's not in the body of a race, in the middle where you just got your rhythm and got your runners high. When he's saying here that I press toward the goal, he's talking about the last third 500 yards where you're doing a mad dash, your muscles are pumping, your lungs are trying to burn, and you're about to like die, and you're just reaching and reaching. That kind of attitude, that kind of perseverance, that kind of like all-in focus drive. That's the kind of attitude and that's the kind of focus he wants us to have as we chase after our holy life. 
never being satisfied, constantly moving forward for the pursuit of righteousness that Jesus bestows upon us freely and a deeper, deeper connection with God. Now, all of that has to be worth something, right? There has to be a reason for that. And he says there's a prize. And the prize that Paul mentions over and over again in here, it says in Christ Jesus, right? This race can't be done unless it's in Christ, through Christ, and for Christ. The prize is Christ. If our drive, if our motivation to be a Christian is as simple as I want to go to heaven one day, which is not a bad thing. I hope you start out that way, right? But I hope you, that that's not where it ends. Paul's describes an image of going forward and going heavenward. In the Roman uh, races, the Caesar gave a laurel wreath to the winning champion of the race, and he went up these huge steps to go toward Caesar. And that's where we should be directed, our race should be going towards Jesus, who is our prize, not a laurel wreath, not even eternity, but communing with him, perfectly, supremely, ultimately knowing him. And that was all that Paul wanted, and that was all that Paul wants for us as well. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we live a life in constant tension between this world and the next, a tension between our spiritual formation where we're constantly trying to become more and more like Christ and where our past feels like it's too heavy or too alluring or too distracting. Lord, Heavenly Father, Thank you for allowing us to be a part of this race. We don't deserve it. We never earned it. We can never do anything to be able to be a part of it. And you, yet you give it to us so freely, we don't understand the true cost of it. Lord, do not steer too f- quickly so that we lose our footing. Lord, when we get discouraged, Lord, Heavenly Father, show us the way. Help us not to be satisfied with how far we've come, knowing that there's further to go, knowing that there's more that you will show us, more that you can do through us, more that you can do in us, Lord. Lord, like our song says, move us, Lord. Move us toward your image. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.